welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. There we go. Good morning. And good morning. Good morning. We all good? Bonjour, 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 bonjour. Trebian, Rodney, Arc de Triomphe, and all that. Bonne de douche, and all that. Remember that? Hey, you do know I actually speak French. Do you know we have this wee competition every year in France? Because um, not to blow one's own trumpet, but I, 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 have a, I just love to have a go because we, we met in France, and so I, I speak a lot of French. And, and uh, <laughs> every time, like, uh, like a French person would say, oh, are you, you're English? And you go, no, 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 from Northern Ireland, definitely anything but English, right? <laughs> and uh, definitely not English. <clears throat> but uh, they would say, oh, you're, you know, I thought you were French. As soon as I hear that, I just turn to Penny and she goes, <laughs> bore off, you book. Isn't that right, Penny? Is that a wee poison cup for me, love? <laughs> Straight into the cistern, isn't that right? <laughs> Deep from the well of the ladies' toilets. Lovely. And uh, look, listen, can we just say a huge thank you as well to Maureen, who did an absolutely fantastic job. Um, absolutely brilliant and so thank you Maureen fantastic you're going to be hearing more from Maureen more from Maureen uh, in, the f- in the future for sure what a fantastically anointed teacher gifted teacher and uh, she was brilliant and uh, we really appreciate that and obviously Maggie leading the services go on you'll see more of Maggie as well um, we, we, we did have a great time right? like, it, it, things are funny right brilliant I, I didn't realise that um, I was upstairs getting ready this morning, so I didn't hear the words that were spoken before. But I'm actually talking from Luke 15 this morning. I'm going to talk towards the end of that bit of Luke 15, because we're going to be finishing up our series in Luke. Um, but uh, I'm going to talk to, to people this morning who feel like they're discounted because of something that happened in the past. Do you get that? Because isn't it true that all of us have things that we think about that we have done or been part of or said or whatever? And it's hard to have faith for the future when you're anchored into something that you can't let go of of what happened before. And there's grace for you this morning because if you're open and your heart is ready to receive, then you're going to receive grace upon grace. Is that good? Uh, I was actually, reminded, we, we, had, uh, we had some, it was funny actually, you know, we, Ben wasn't with us in this holiday, which actually was great. And uh, just kidding. <laughs> it's not funny. And uh, it was though. And uh, the, th- the thing is, it was funny because we were saying to Hope and Sophie, oh, did you miss your brother? And they went, no, we missed the dog. And... Uh, <laughs> Which is funny because when the dog came home yesterday, this, this is what I put up with at home, right? Listen to this. When the dog came home yesterday, I should have been at some kennels. Penny, I know you're laughing, but this is it, right? This is where I need healing in my heart because the girls were going, Mommy, I think that they obviously washed the dog for sending it home. Look, the dog's come home all clean and she's lost loads of weight. To which Penny quicks a flash, but maybe we should send Daddy there for a fortnight. <laughs> Didn't miss a beat. Didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> Send Daddy to kennels for a fortnight. That would work. It's like seriously, that's harsh. It's harsh. It's harsh. Funny. 
whatever the name of the candles is. Right, so listen, let, 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 let's get into the Word. And uh, we're going to let Luke 15. You might want to just stick your finger in it, and we're going to open it up in a moment. Uh, we had this moment in France. It was funny. Um, sometimes when we come to the Word of God and we come to the truth of Scripture, um, we, 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 have, we, we live in almost like this world where there's a, a, you know, we gravitate towards what the truth is because truth deep calls unto deep, the Word says. And then there's this little voice, isn't there, that, that kind of goes, can you really believe? Remember, right back to the garden, the way that the enemy works to take you out of the truth of God and the love of God is, is it's not about you know, sort of Jackie Chan and the devil, as I describe it, but it's about actually the, the work on the inside, which is the doubts that come. See, the, the devil only has one way of taking you out of the love of God, and that's to put it, cast a doubt in your mind as to whether God is good, whether he is who he says he is, because he did it right at the beginning, and he has no, he's not a create. The, the devil doesn't create anything, he distorts. And so when you see his MO, the way that he operates from the very beginning, you can be sure that that's the way he's going to keep working. Did God really say can you really believe? We, we went to this farm, right, in France, en France, and uh, see the way I did that, just <laughs> in and out, just can't help it. And uh, we saw Yvonne Gray, by the way. I know Yvonne's probably watching this morning, and it was absolutely brilliant to see her. Yvonne, our, our missionary in Montembeuf out there, and uh, it was brilliant to spend a few days with her. And Yvonne, we love you to bits. She's part of our family here at Exchange, but living now in France. And we also got to see Tom and Charlotte and Alice as well and pray with Tom. Keep praying for Tom, all right? And uh, we were able to spend some time and pray with them. And so I'd encourage you to keep praying for Charlotte and for Alice and Alex as well. And, uh, and Granny as well, who was down the garden and we didn't get to meet Granny. But the thing was, right, we went to this farm and I tell you, they've got it worked out. So they charge you to take your kids into this farm. And then, do you know what they do? They charge you for the food that you then feed the animals. And I'm going, they've got this worked out because they've got to feed the animals anyway. So they go, thick tourists, get them to buy bags of carrots at two euro and sure the kids will love it. I was thinking, these French are not as stupid as what you would think. So here's the thing. So we're walking around and we're feeding all the things. And we came across, came across this field. It's all good fun. The kids love it. And it was a field of uh, like um, alpacas, right? Uh, not alpacas, they're Teletubbies. What do you call them? Acapulcos. Not llamas. What? Alpacas, not alpacas. What are you talking about, right? So do you all know what an alpaca looks like? Not an alpaca. It's in my head now. Alpaca. You know what they look like? They've got hair. They, no, I said the penny. You know their hair? They all look like them trendy worship leaders you see on YouTube, right? <laughs> I think the model themselves after alpacas. You know, the hair like this. And the, I said, if that thing had skinny jeans and, and big boots, it could, it could be leading worship somewhere. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, so they have this hair that goes like this and teeth that are all shaped. That's important. So I, I, I always, I'm a bit of a risk taker, so no one says, don't feed the monkeys. I'm, gonna st I'm sticking my finger through to see how, how. Anyway, so these alpacas, not alpacas, come, and, uh, and I'm just about to walk over, and these two gallop over, right? And I'm reaching out with the carrots, and all I hear is this. Oh, Andrew, stop. So I'm panicking, I'm in no man's land. And Penny and the girls are behind me. And this alpacas right here and I'm like what's wrong and Penny says I think that alpaca is angry with you <laughs> I went what because I'm stuck I didn't know whether to go forward or go back to feed it do not and I said how do you know in my head I'm going how does she know anyway so I, and I said so I did I said how do you know and she went it's making a face at you <laughs> I went what 
And she went, it's making a face at you. So I looked at the alpaca, hair, teeth, right? I'm going, and I'm head, I'm going, how does she know that it's making a face? So I said, how do you know it's making Because I think, this thing's gonna eat the arm of me if I put the carrots out. And she says, look at it, Andrew, it's going. <laughs> and I went, it's doing what? And she went. <sighs> so I looked at the alpaca and went, is it? Or is that just its face? Who knows? I said, Penny, do you know what? I'm halfway here, I can't come back. It spotted me. It could leap over the fence here, love, and grab me and eat me. I was thinking, yeah, right? So I'm committing myself. So I just went for it, put the hand, and the thing just it away, right? But I, I, well, we laughed. It's making a face at you. Have you ever looked at an alpaca and gone, that's making a face at me? I thought it would not be a brilliant name for a book. The Angry Alpaca. Anyway. I face it. Do you know, but it's fun. Why am I telling that story? I have no idea. Of it. No, I do have an idea. There's sometimes when we, 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 we look at the word, look about this preacher's delight, isn't it? You, you know, you look at the word and you go close to it and you go, it's, this is going to be fun. This is going to be good. I'm going to learn. And there's a voice that goes, just be careful about the word that you're just about to receive because it can't be that good. Do you get me? And the word that I've got for people this morning is really that good because grace is better than what you think. Amen. And so in Luke 15, we get to, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but you know, one of the, the greatest revelation that you could ever have of Jesus is not Jesus healer, actually, or Jesus as provider. Those are all brilliant revelations, but Jesus came to give the fullest revelation, which is Father. The fullest revelation of God that you can know is God as your Father, because when you know him as Father, you know all the other things that he does. Do you get that? We get people who chase the healing. We get people who, ch- and when you need healing, you need healing. But Jesus came to, to, to reveal Abba, Daddy. And it's an intimacy with God that's impossible under the law. And uh, it's only possible when you become a son or a daughter. And so I want to talk about that today. So whatever your need is, the revelation that you need is Jesus as dad. All right? Because I, I, I spent, you know, it's funny as uh, on holiday, you know, because it's all a bit different, because I speak really good French, Penny, the, uh, I found myself doing lots of stuff. But, but do you know my girls, they just had a whale of a time. And, at, at, you know, apart from one morning, Sophie, she wrote me a letter, right, one morning for breakfast, because I would go up really early and go to the, the shop and get fresh croissant and pain au chocolat. Isn't that lovely? Thinking this is brilliant. They called me Papa Croissant, actually. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy Croissant. That was their way. Until one morning, Sophie cracked up. I got her up out of her bed at 10 o'clock. This is Sophie, our nine-year-old. I said, Sophie, time to get up. What time is it? I said, it's nine o'clock, or 10 o'clock it was. I said, Sophie, will you please get up? She'd had a really big day. She'd cycled like 45 kilometers the day before. And uh, she went, oh, just let me lie on to half 10. I went, no, get up. And so she came out to the table, which I had laid with fresh croissant and pan of chocolate, right? And she just started to, she went, oh, no, not croissants again. So she started to, she wrote me a letter and she went, Daddy, or Papa Croissant, thank you so much. I am so grateful for all the ways every morning you get up early and provide breakfast for her. Then, full stop. Next sentence. However, I am sick of the food that you are bringing here. I've actually kept, I'm going to keep the letter and frame it. Well, we roared and laughed. I am sick of the food that you are bringing me. I was like, but the truth of it is, like, she, she just rolled out of her bed at 10 o'clock, knowing that Daddy had provided. She didn't quite like it. After 12 nights of, or 12 mornings of croissant, she obviously threw the head up. But it was like 12 nights of, you know, but what I'm trying to say is, when Daddy's around, everything's taken care of. 
You don't need to worry. Isn't that right? It's not like you get up in the morning and you look for, uh, will I be, like my provision today and this today. It's like dad provides it all. Because that's what dads do. And Jesus gives that revelation, and, and that, that's the, the revelation that he comes to bring. And I'd be, I was reflecting on that, but everything that we need is found in him, our healing, our provision, our hope, our very life, whatever you need this morning. Labor, if you want. The, the word says you only labor to enter into his rest. No more worrying, stress, or trying to help God. Just have in your mind that he loves me first as daddy. And that's why, you know, in that revelation, we find perfect peace, and the, the blessing of God flows to us. But some of us struggle with that. And some of us struggle not because, you know, uh, it's, it, it's like in as much as this, rev, you know, we, we hear about the love of God and we hear about who Jesus is. One of the reasons that we, we struggle to enter into rest is that we cannot let go of our pasts. I, I've known what it's like to make mistakes. Believe it or believe it not, I've made more than most of you. Relationally, financially, spiritually, and every other way it seems, I have made errors and mistakes and mistakes. And the thing is, you can't ignore them because they play like a tape in your mind. Do you get that? What the world will say is like, just, just forget about it. Almost like brush it under the carpet and move on. But you can't. But it's like when I came home last night into the driveway, I just see wee sprouts of stuff coming out from under our drive. You know, like weeds. And I go, flip's sake. It drives me nuts, right? Because they, they need to be dealt with. And you can't, ju- you can't just ignore the stuff that plays in your mind whenever you're believing from God. I'm believing for this God, but... And then the wee voice comes. He's making a face at you. Right? Such a good story, that, isn't it? <laughs> it cracks me up. Anyway, so, so in, this, in, this brilliant, in this brilliant story in Luke 15, uh, what I want to say today is, is I believe the Lord's going to minister to some of you this morning about the things that you kind of gone, I just, I just want to forget it and move on. Bring it in to the light of God's love this morning. And let him show you how he restores you whenever you made a mess. And let him deal with it and clean it up for you today. So that it doesn't sit in your head and in your heart and robs you of the opportunity to enter into grace and enter into the fullness of what the Lord has for you. Okay? Because in one sense, sometimes we go, I don't know how I would ever deal with whatever. And, you know, the Lord knows can I just say this? You don't need to say it to anyone. The Lord knows exactly what it is, where it was, who it was, whatever it happens to be. He knows every bit of that story of yours. And what he says is, what is yesterday has gone from my point of view in your life. I am leading you to, from grace upon grace into your future, but you have got to let go of that which I have already forgiven you for. And let me restore you again through my grace. Amen? And in the story of the prodigal, that's what happens. Hey, you know, it's often used as in prodigal, um, and we're praying, because we understand what prodigal means. However, it's not actually something that Jesus ever said. I'm going to explain that in a minute. It's often used as a story of sinners coming home, repenting and coming home. Let me just say this, uh, just because that's often how the story is used. The emphasis on the story is around this young man, around his life getting so bad that he decides to wake up and come back to his senses and go back to his father. And as usual in everything, we start with us. But as I have told you many times from here, it's one of the most full, incredible stories in the Bible. Actually, the, the prodigal, as we know it, is called the parable of parables. And it was told by Jesus himself. And, uh, 
but, and used in his very own words. And, and what was the context? Well, the tax collectors and the sinners are drawing near to him. And he, he doesn't ever, no, listen to me, he never, as the tax collectors and the sinners, the, the dregs come near him. He never says, you're far from me. He only ever uses the expression of son. So as he's telling the story, he doesn't go, he's far from me. He goes, the son did this. Do you get that? Because what he's saying is no matter what you do, no matter where you've been or what has happened in your past, it never stopped you being a child of God. It never stopped the way that he loved you. It never stopped his heart for you. It never stopped his plan for you. No matter where you were, what you were doing or who you were doing it with, never changed God's love for you in one, for one bit. Do you get that? And so the emphasis that Jesus has is different than ours. He begins with the Father. The emphasis is what will the Father do? And the listeners would have already made their mind up about this son. They would have gone, he's a reprobate. What kind of boy wishes that their dad was dead so that he could have his money? But Jesus doesn't start there. He starts with the dad. He starts with the Father because that was his emphasis. And uh, his starting point is not how bad you are or where you have been. His starting point is always in everyone's life. Look at how good the Father is. It's like, can we agree that this morning? And so I think the thing this morning is, like even when we were praying, we went to pray for Tom up in La Tardier in, in France. And we were driving up. It was a bit of a long drive. It took us nearly three hours. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, like what are we going to say when we get here? What are we going to, you know, um, feeling completely inadequate to be quite fair. And going, what, what, what are we going to do? I just felt the Lord, I said to Penny, I just felt the Lord say, you know, the bottom line is whenever you walk into anywhere, you carry the presence of God Almighty with you. You get that? Every single one of you this morning. See, when, you are, when, we, when we have people in our lives, like our, our families, and we pray for them and all that, I, I get that. But we, we don't make faith a weighty thing and a burden because grace is more than that, right? Grace carries the weight of the work that needs to be done. It's already been done, it's not your work. And so what I felt the Lord say to me as I was driving up that last Saturday morning was just, just as you walk in, just be more aware of me and my presence and my presence in you to bring about all the change that needs to happen. And you know, we had a great time. And we prayed and we prayed a few times and, um, you know, and we, we chatted and we talked and we went out for a walk and all sorts of stuff. And, but I, I, just, I just felt the pressure lift, if you know what I mean, to be something because I thought Jesus in this moment is everything that Tom needs. But I had to be confident or just reminded of the fact that whether it's Tom and his situation or whether it's you know, um, a family member or a situation, it's by simply coming in to that situation, I carry the presence of God, right? And when people are in the presence of Jesus, their lives are changed. Do you get that? Because there was nobody, nobody who ever was open a little bit to the Lord, right? Who didn't receive something from him just by him being who he was. And that same spirit lives in you today, okay? And so that, that, that's, that, that's, that was an important thing for me. But here's the interesting point. Let me, let me get on to this. Um, because Remember I've said before the five things in Luke 15 where he sees, he has compassion, he runs, he embraces, and he kisses. I've preached it before. I don't want to preach it this morning because there's this extravagant God, the, the full picture. There's another picture I want to un unravel for you here in, in how he restores, and there's some details in there that you might not have seen before. But that five-fold picture of what the Father is like, he, he, he sees you, 
He has compassion for you. He runs towards you, embraces and kisses you. He's not an angry God. He's not a morose God. You know, uh, none of that. So that, that's a bit of the story that we're up to. Shall we cut into the very end bit? Because this is where you're going to find your restoration today. It's absolutely phenomenal. So let, let's go to Luke 15, 17 through 19. When he came to his senses, this is the wee fella. Or he's probably a big lad. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Yet here I am starving to death. Uh, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, right? I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer, to be wor- I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. Now, have a look at this, right? His, what was it? his reason for coming home was not for his father and for the restoration of relationship. This, this is what makes the way that God loves us so incredible. You see, we think that we need to have it all in order, that our hearts need to be perfect and pure and complete in order for God to love us. And when there's something, do you know what I mean? It's like if, there's always these wee nagging things. And, and you see it here in the prodigal. He, he didn't come back going, I've really messed up here. What he said is, those servants eat better than what I do. I'd be better off over there. Do you get that? There was still a whole lot of selfishness in him. There was still a whole lot of self-serving in him. He was still probably as selfish and self-serving in that moment and coming in coming back as he was before he went out. I'll tell you about that. Oh, I'm really sorry. I messed up with you and with God, right? Just make me one of your servants. He didn't actually mean it. That's not, he wasn't like, he didn't have a moment. And that's what makes, you know, this story so unbelievable in terms of how God restores you in your, in, on the inside. You know, his repentance didn't release the Father's blessing. We think that. The Father loved him first. And you know why we know that? Because he wasn't even repentant when he came back. This is mental when you really get into it. You go, hold on a second. This wasn't a big moment where he realized he was a sinful whatever. And it was that, no. He was kind of calculating in what he was doing. I'll be better off over there. I just need to say a few things in order to get there. Now, here's the bit that's left out. Make me one of your hard servants. Now, here's what's really interesting. The son rehearses a speech. Often what we do on the inside is we rehearse things and we say, right, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do the other, and then God will bless me. Anyone? I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I should be doing the other, and if I do that, then God will bless me. As the son gets back and starts to speak, what's really interesting is the father cuts him short and doesn't even let him get through his whole speech. Why? He gets, makes me one of your hard servants. And the son or the father cuts through this because there's something about coming to God where he will never let you earn something that is yours by right. He'll never make you do that. The Lord will never make you pay penance in order to get back into the right place. He will never extract a pound of flesh from you in order to, do you get that? What is yours by right as a son is a freely given gift and you will, he will never allow you to try to earn it. So in your heart, even though you may go, well, God, I'm gonna do this and I'll do this again and I'll do it better and I'll not mess up again. And all that, the Lord goes, no, no, stop. Everything you need, I've already given you. And we go, What? 
that's the start of his restoration. The start of his restoration is understanding that he's never going to earn that which is already his. Some of us need to stop with the mental gymnastics and the heart gymnastics that we go through at times. Because I know that we all do it. Oh, Lord, if I could be, if I did that, if I could go back and if... And Lord, go stop this morning with the mental gymnastics and the heart gymnastics. Stop replaying over what you should have done, could have done. Should have, it doesn't matter. Whatever you need now, I'm going to supply through my grace. And I'm going to restore you back to the position that I always intended you for. You're never going to do anything to get yourself there. It's only just going to be through my gift of, of grace to you. Now let me speak into, a wee bit, into it a wee bit more specifically. You see, because what's happening here is we come to God, some of us at times, thinking that if we're good enough, we, we may just get the bare minimum. That's what this we had. See, his expectation was, give me the bare minimum. The bare minimum is, is legalism. I do, God does, right? I'll get paid for what I do. I'll be a hard servant. But God is so lavish. Let's read this in, in verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then, but the father said to his servants, quick, okay, cuts through it. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Let me just, this is a beautiful picture. There's three things here that God does when he restores you by grace. I want you to see what he does with this son. Now three, does anyone know what three is in Hebrew? It's the number of completeness. Seven is the number of perfection. Three is the number of completeness. So what we see here in what the father does towards the son, he says, this is my perfect, complete restoration for you. Does that make sense? That's why the things are done in three. It's not by accident. He just didn't have three things that he put on the we fella. Okay, there, there, there's, a, there's a picture here. He says, first thing is, verse 22, bring out the best robe. Now, in cultures, in, the, in, in those cultures at the time, rich families would have had a best robe. And that was reserved for your like visiting dignitaries or your VIPs. And you would have had it in your house somewhere, right? And what happened is if you had so, like the most important person you could imagine coming to visit, uh, this robe was given to them, right? And it, it wasn't their robe, right? It was the father's robe. Do you get that? This is actually what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't like that they, they earned the robe. The father had the robe. And what you did, when you came into the father's house, you, the robe was put on you. And it was given to you in the house to show you what your place was in terms of how valued and important you were. Isn't that lovely? So when the father says, bring out the robe, bring out my robe, and you know, he, he, the wee fella didn't earn it. This was the father going, this is my robe that I'm going to place on you. Remember what it says in Isaiah 61.10? I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices, for he has clothed me with what? With garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. And so what's really interesting, and these robes had big pockets in them. And every, lots of things that you would have needed for your stay in the house were found in the pockets. Isn't this crazy? The detail that we don't see in this story, but you have to go, you have to go digging deep in this stuff, all right? And so what's really interesting, here's what, the, where, where, why does he start with the robe? Because the picture is righteousness. What the Lord says to you is, whenever you are, whenever, well, it doesn't matter, okay, where you've been, where you've come from, whenever you are in front of me, 
my first gift to you is righteousness. You, church, this morning, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are holy and acceptable to God. You are as perfect right now. Have a look at yourself, all right? You see the wrinkles and everything else, and the Lord looks at you, and he says over you this morning, you are as righteous now, as acceptable to me, as you will ever be for all of eternity. Somebody give me an amen. And what he says then, right? is everything you need is found in the pockets of the robe. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I didn't understand this until I started to dig into it. Health, prosperity, peace, joy, hope, love, okay? You're covered in those today. And when you go into the pockets of righteousness, when you dig into righteousness, when you go deep into righteousness, you find everything that you need given to you by your Father. That's why he says, bring out my best robe. It's the starting place. It's the starting place for restoration is the fact that you are righteous and you are always righteous. Can I just say this? Let's not pray necessarily for prodigals. Let's speak life over the sons and the daughters. Do you get that? One is about they're far away. And when we look with our eyes and when we have to deal with what we see in front of us, that can be a scary place, but I'm just gonna show you something else in a moment. I believe, according to the, in Romans, it says that the Lord declares and speaks and calls out those things that don't exist, just like they do. So whenever you think about your husband, your wife, your sons, your daughters, when you think about your grandchildren, when you think about your friends and your family, all right, what the Lord says is don't come from a place of fear calling them back, but stand in a place of faith and declare his grace over their life. Because Romans 2, 4 tells us that it's the goodness of God that's gonna lead them to change, to metanoia. It's the fullness of God that will lead them to change. Now, I understand the term prodigal and I, and I use it myself. I'm not down on that one. But what I'm saying is when we come to it, the Lord says, and enter into my rest and my rest says that you can speak what you want to see, what you believe for in their life and leave that the rest to me. Amen? That's what happens in the robe of righteousness. You can only do that when you know that you're completely loved this morning, that you know that they are completely loved. Do you know for the people in your life who've had an encounter with Jesus at some point and now they're not walking with the Lord? Can I encourage you now, they're still wearing the robe of righteousness. They're still wearing that robe. Why? It was given to them as a gift from the Father. They didn't earn for it. They didn't work for it. Okay? And the restoration will, will come, will start, whenever they have that revelation still that not that they are judged, but they are loved. Amen? Now, I want you to start to think about the things in your life that keep going. They're making a face at you. <laughs> I woke up this morning laughing about that. It was Penny, petrified, going at me. And the girls, carrots, <laughs> two euros a bag. Like, what a ripoff. <laughs> at one point, there was a woman just eating the carrots. I wanted to ask her, did you just get really fed up and thought, flip's sake, two euros, I'm going to be having these for my lunch. She was just a <laughs> big French woman just wailing the carrots in there. <laughs> not giving them to the Agalpacas. Right, so there you go. Pacalacas, whatever, Agapogos. Right? 
I guess, I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Like, can I encourage you? When, when, you're, when you're robed, when, you, when, when you're given righteousness, you have to live favor conscious. As soon as that robe is around you and sits on you, just like Joseph, all right? Okay, because of the coat that, that, the, that his father gave me, knew that he was loved. And so I'll say this this morning, even when things are going wrong, even when things are going the, the wrong way, you'll always have a reason to rejoice. And the first, thing the first thing that you can rejoice about is no matter what it was or where it was or who it was with or what happened or whatever it happened to be, I am righteous. You'll never get restored, okay, if you can't accept first and foremost that it didn't matter. And the world, see, in the world, there's always payback. Do you get that? We are conditioned with somebody does something wrong, somebody's got to pay. The whole world operates that way, doesn't it? We, we adopt that into our psyche, into our thinking, into our mindset. Somebody's going to pay for it. And you this morning can go, Jesus paid it for me. It's outrageous grace, folks. It's completely outrageous. The devil comes along going, he's making a face. You just go, no, no. There's, if there was something to be paid, then he paid it for me because I'm righteous. So just imagine this son, right? Remember, righteous means completely your condition, your state, is completely acceptable, totally acceptable to God. Isn't that bonkers? Imagine this wee fellow, just go, go back into, into what it's like to, to, be, to be him. I was listening to some podcast when I was away. T.D. Jakes did this great one on preaching, and uh, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm an East Belfast T.D. I need to be like an East Belfast T.D. Jakes, you know what I mean? He just gets onto the stage, and people are like, Wah! like, can you all bring hankies next week and wave them? I think you need to encourage me in this gift, right? So just bring hankies and wave them, and wave them at me and stuff like that. No? Okay, for goodness sake. Some people think I'm being serious. I am. Okay, so... I'm going to start wearing big suits and all. And uh, all the rest of it. Brilliant. Can you imagine? Beard. Love it. Uh, but he's he, he saying about, you know, get yourself into the mind of different characters within the story. And, and I, I thought, it's outrageous. Somebody's laughing at that. It's outrageous when I think, what would I be like in the mind of the sun? Because that's probably where we sit in this, isn't it? To go, you come to God and you're ready just to, say, the mental gymnastics you go through, like, I'm not going to do it again, I'm sorry, and this here, and da-da-da, and he cuts through it all. He doesn't let you finish, he just goes, oh, here, shh, let me put this on you. Can you imagine? And here's the thing, everybody saw it. This was not done in secret, this was done in public. Do you get that? It was a bold public declaration that no matter what this was, what it, you think it is, whatever you've judged it to be, in my eyes, they are totally acceptable. I love that. See all the naysayers in your life, the finger pointers, the judgers, who have you hung, drawn, quartered, have already decided what you are, what you're like because of whatever, okay? The Lord publicly says over you today, no, you're righteous. What they think is irrelevant. What they say is irrelevant. The only voice that matters is the voice of your Father who calls you righteous. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. And then the second, I'm going to flip it, I need to go quick. Second thing is this, verse 22, what does he put on his hand? He puts on a ring. Okay? So a ring today, 
And the order is important here. The ring is, now this, this is what's interesting. The ring for us is about values, isn't it? So when you get married, you put a ring on, you know, eternal love and all that kind of stuff. And um, the, I can't wear my wedding ring when I'm on holiday because my, my fingers are too fat in the heat. And so I have to take it off, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. And the thing is, but, but just in case you go, well, you're not wearing a wedding ring. And so the thing is, so there's love and it's about commitment. But in Bible days, the ring was like a visa card. It was like a master card. And so wealthy people had them. Remember Ben Hur? Remember that movie? You know, chariots and all that kind of stuff. And so whenever you know, we, <laughs> whenever he said, "That's a chariot," I don't know why that is a chariot, but that's a chariot. Remember he saves the Roman general, and he gives the general his ring. You remember all this stuff? You kind of know what was all that about? Because the ring was about what? It was about authority. Now this is incredible. I'm going to speak to people right now. Okay. So what's happened? Just think about what this wee lad has done. He took what was given to him and he squandered it flat out. He made a complete and utter mess of it. In fact, he just didn't make a mess of it. It wasn't like he burnt the bridge. He blew the bridge up. He blew every other bridge up. He literally put two fingers up in public to his family and went, I wish you were dead. Let's go party. Right? The resource that was given to him. You know, there are people who have made financial decisions in their lives. And you go, flip me. I made a mess of this. I squandered what was given to me, right? And what happens is after the Lord says that you're righteous and everything you need is in the pockets, he then puts the ring of authority back on the son's finger. What this means is this, right? You're, in putting that ring on, what he had access to was the full gamut of what was his father's resource. Do you get that? Let me tell you why that is. What it meant was even though you made a mess of it, even though you squandered it and made a mistake, right? And you might've made the same mistake multiple times. Grace says in order to restore you, you can't live locked into the, your mistakes of the past. In the moment, God trusts you. Why? Why does God trust you? Because you're trustworthy? No, because we'll keep making mistakes. He doesn't really get this illusion as people say, because he has no illusions about us in the first place, right? But what he says is this, my grace is bigger than your mistake. My resource is bigger than your ability to mess it up. Do you understand that? We get so small-minded with God. We go, well, I made a mess. You could never trust me again in this area, whether it's relational, financial, or whatever, or spiritual, or in a family situation. I had something in my hands before, and I made a mess of it. And the Lord says, and my grace is greater still. Put on the authority that I have given you and transact business on my account. Why? Because my account is the fullness of heaven and it's available to you. So if you made a mess relationally in the past with someone and you think, well, that's going to hold me back from my future. Maybe it was a financial decision where at the right time it felt like the right thing. You weren't being mad, greedy, whatever. And even if you were, the outrageous thing about God's grace is when we come to him robed in righteousness and we have our hearts and our minds transformed by the God of grace, he goes, you know what? I'm going to restore you exactly back, we, exactly back to where you were before. I'm going to zero your account. Why? Because I paid your account for you. Isn't it crazy? The devil will tell you, no, you, you, you messed it up. The world will definitely say, you messed it up there. You're not being trusted into the future. We may welcome you back into the fold, but you'll never be where you were before. Isn't that the way the world works? No, it's not the way the kingdom of grace works. The kingdom of grace says Jesus and his provision and his love and his grace is bigger than your mess. When did we get the idea that our sin was bigger than his work? Oh, come on, church, help me out. 
Where did we get that? It's bonkers, isn't it? You know, and here's one of the things. I know for me, right? Look, even say with your kids, when your kids do something wrong, do you abandon them doing it forever? Some of you go, ah, that's exactly what you do. Maybe this way. <laughs> I've just outed myself as a really awful parent. But you know what I mean? Which one of us with our own kids went, seriously? You just did that? You're dead to me. You're done. You will never play that again. You'll never have that to eat again. Like our Sophie, gee whiz, I love her to bits. If there is a child who's going to fall, walk into something, she was on her bike, off her bike, in the swimming pool, she was the child who got kicked in the face and I had to take her, you know, with blood, literally blood from here to here, right? Teeth all bloody and all that. And the wee lifeguard just went, ooh, what happened to you? I don't know. It's just like, like, she just got kicked in the head, even though I told her, don't go to. Anyway, the, the, the thing is, right, she fell off her bike. Look at her legs. You know, she just cut from one end to the other. When, actually, there was one occasion where she pulled in front of me, locked on the brakes as hard as she can, and I went straight into the back of her. And I am actually cut the whole way down here, right? Now, what did I do in that moment? I did go, Sophie, because I was really sore and I was bleeding. And she was like, sorry, Daddy. I didn't get the bike, throw it into the hedge and go, see you, right? You will never get on a bike again, you stupid wee Egypt. Do you realize that's what we think God does with us? You crashed your bike, you're never getting on it again. The Lord goes, here, let me just upgrade your bike for you here. Get on the bike again and go. Why? Because my grace is bigger than your mess. <laughs> that's a good message, isn't it? That's what the ring means. The ring means you have the ability to transact business on the Father's behalf in the very area where you screwed it up before because his grace is bigger than sin. And you think, how can that be? Is God not opening himself up for me to make another mess? Yeah, I just don't see, think the Lord sees it that way. The way that you learn and you grow and you're changed is not by having things taken from you, but by learning how to steward well when you make a mess and you get the opportunity to do it again in grace. Do you get that? That's the way the Lord works. That's the way that we grow and we learn and we become better people. It's not through the prohibition. It's through the belief and the trust that God puts in you. How am I doing? Okay, and the last thing is this very quickly. See, this is what happens. I get back preaching and like, I love it and take ages. The last thing is, uh, you know, what, what, what's the easiest way for you to transact business like that? Actually, the, the, it's the name of Jesus. You know, the point is, you know, the Father's love and supply is greater than your mess. The, the ring today for me signifies actually the power that we have when we speak the name of Jesus. We sang it this morning. You know, the, the devil would love you to live like a slave when you've been born a son. Right? And the quickest way to turn that around is, as it says in Philippians 2.9.10, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every day should bow in heaven and on earth, uh, heaven and on earth and under the earth. Right? Uh, it's interesting, didn't it, the Pharisees in Acts, they hated that. Have I got that right? They did. They, they said, they, they, told, they told the disciples, don't preach in that name. 
Don't preach in the name of Jesus. Why? Because things change when you speak the name of Jesus. And so the, the legalist, the law, says don't use the name of Jesus. Don't speak the name of Jesus. Don't preach in that name. Why? Because they saw things happen. You will see a supernatural flow of grace when you speak the name. Use the authority that Jesus has given you that the law will never, ever bring you. Last thing is, what are they, what are they giving the sandals? That's it, verse 22. He was barefoot. This is interesting. Now, there's two words for sandals in the, in the New Testament. This I'm going to finish. Uh, the first one is sandalon. It's kind of kind of close, right? They were just cheap. They were your shoe zone type things, you know, where you get f- five pairs for a tenner, right? You know, in Conswater. <laughs> Here, listen, don't joke. We got the kids' sandals there for our holidays. Brilliant, all right? And, uh, but you know what I mean? You're, you're going to get them, for, and they're going to do you a couple of weeks, and then you're, you're going to, you get me? Okay, so you, you know, right? So what happens is, not there's a, I've just really dug a hole there, haven't I? If you love shoe zone, I just really apologize. But here we go. Do you know, I'm, all I'm suggesting is, if you're buying a pair of work boots for $7.99, they're probably not gonna last, all right? That's all I'm saying. So here's the thing, uh, that's sandal on. And they were cheap, cheap shoes that would have been worn in the day, but that's not what, the, what happened here. The son was, because he was barefoot, right? That he, the, the father brings out, the, like, they were leather look, they were hoopedema in Greek. I'm trying to struggle. I don't really know what expensive shoes are. So, like, think of really expensive, like, Clark's leather sandals. <laughs> are they? Here, help me out. As you can see. Barker. Barker. So the father brings out the Barkers, right? These, these leather luxury hoopademas. Let's call them in the Greek. He brings out the hoopademas and he puts the son's feet in them. And why is that? Why does he bring out expense? What's the point of it being expensive? Because what he says is this. He says, let me, let me place, let me have you, I put my robe on you. I've now given you the ability to transact right back into the area where you messed it up. Okay? And what he says is, in that place, right, with those things, you're now standing on a wealthy place. There's nothing cheap or cheap and nasty about the, about the gift that God puts in you. Do you get that? It's not, it's not half done. You're standing in a wealthy place. You see, forgiveness would be empty without the restoration to the privileges that we forfeit when we mess up. Let me say that again. Forgiveness would be empty. Saying that you're forgiven means nothing. You, you hear me? Unless you are restored to a place where all the privileges that you had forfeited come back to you because that's what real forgiveness looks like. That's grace. It's bonkers. And so what happens is you stand today. I, I just want to encourage you as I finish. You stand today on a, on, a, on a, when I say wealthy, don't think money. It's part of it. But a wealthy place means the fullness of God's work through Jesus for you. That's what you're standing on. That work cost something. It was a dear work, what Jesus did. Now, you might not think it, you might not feel it, your emotions may be somewhere else today. But the facts don't care about your feelings because that is what God says. So these three things are how you are restored by grace. The best robe has been placed upon you. A ring has been put on your hand representing your authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus. And sandals have been put on your feet so you stand in a place of sonship and you stand on the finished work of Jesus. It's a wealthy place. 
There's no lack in his work. Do you get that? There's no lack in his work. Those three things show us what restoration looks like in completeness. Actually, it's no more than that. I think if our hearts could be so turned and so captivated by that truth, I think from that place, all the restoration, all the flow, it's, it's, it's much more likely, you're much more likely to see that. Can you close your eyes for one minute? Let's have some paths of glory. I'm going to get ready for communion, but I, I'm going to pray over you and then we're going to and even online I know we've got people in Maryland and Indiana and France this morning watching and further afield people in South Africa and everywhere else and join with us in communion this morning we uh, let me just help you before we get to take communion I just want you to stop for a moment and there will have been things come into your mind this morning as I was preaching and encouraging you that have been like a, if a weight around, a weight around you is, is too strong. They're the repeated cycles of thinking, the repeated fears, the repeated sore that the devil keeps pushing that says you did and now you're living in this because of, now here's the truth. Whatever it is, whenever it was, whoever it involved, this morning, this revelation of daddy, of father, is your starting place. The Lord says today, let that go. There is nothing that he is counting against you. There is no price that you need to pay. There is no work that you need to do. If you will leave that into the hands, my loving hands today, the Lord says that he will restore you to a place of sonship where you inherit and walk in all the promises of grace. The process matters here. There is the process of letting go, making a decision in your head, a decision in your heart to say, Lord, this will not be a part of me anymore. You freed me from it, Lord. And so I'm going to walk into my future robed in righteousness. And even if you don't trust yourself, it's good to know that the Lord trusts you. You know, and even if you fall 10,000 times, he's going to be there to pick you up. I could stand here for the next hour and quote you verse upon verse about the Lord's faithfulness, the Lord's goodness. In Lamentations, one of my favorite, just favorites from my youth is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Isn't that lovely? Father, I speak restoration over your church this morning. Restoration over these lives. Restoration over their families. I pray this morning, Father, that there will be a revelation of your love. Father, that they are clothed in the robe of righteousness, Father, that um, whatever the world has judged, other people have judged, the words that have been said, we break the power of those words 
over hearts this morning, and we declare in faith that this is a people who are righteous before God, who are trusted by God, who can transact on your behalf, Lord. We thank you that the riches of grace are fully theirs. Deep into the pockets of righteousness, Lord, as they reach down this week, they would find everything that they are looking for. I pray grace upon grace over every life here. Freedom from the past and hope for the future. We receive that together. And all the church said, amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to take communion together online. Join with us. Father, we take this bread in our hands. Uh, Worship people, if you want to get ready to up here. Father, we take this bread uh, and we say thank you for your body broken for us, Lord. I speak health over you right now in Jesus' name. Tom, we speak to your body right now. We curse that cancer in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, join with me. Let's join faith together. We curse that cancer in the name of Jesus. We speak to that bone marrow, tell it to grow and multiply and produce in Jesus' name. Over you, Alice, Charlotte, Alex, Granny, we speak the grace of God this morning. We speak the love of God this morning. We speak the wholeness of God. And by his stripes, Tom, you are healed. We believe that and we receive that truth this morning. We speak it over you, Lord. Thank you for those of you who don't know. uh, Lauren and Adam aren't here. They'll be here next week. But this morning as we take communion, have faith. Lauren got an absolutely brilliant report on Friday from the doctor. Every single bit of that tumor has been taken out. And listen, there is no cancer. It is actually a miracle. This brain tumor... Even the, we'll get Adam and Lauren to tell the story, but even the surgeon went, thank God. He said, I, I was convinced this thing was cancerous, um, but they've tested it and there's no cancer at all in her head. She's up, she's about, she's walking around. She's not sick. There was no stroke. There's been no loss in her processing, memory, speech, anything else. God is good, amen. So Father, we take this today and over every body here, over every mind here, I speak the wholeness of Jesus. And we eat and say, thank you, Lord. And Father, thank you for your blood poured out. Father, thank you that we are the righteousness of God this morning. We're clothed in righteousness, your robe around us, your gift. Father, thank you that because your blood was poured out, we walk out of here with a new revelation and a fresh revelation of who you have made us to be. Jesus, thank you that there is nothing against us this morning no price to be paid because you have paid it all. Amen. As we worship this morning, we're going to take our offering. I'd encourage you, be, be consistent and generous in your giving uh, as you sow into the mission of God's grace. It's important to do that. God will love you anyway, but it'll definitely change how you love God. Um, don't buy into the narrative of the world that there's a cost of living and all this. The Lord is supernaturally good to us all. And so you'll find grace upon grace in your finance so, so generously. All right, have we enjoyed this morning? Have you been encouraged?